races, cause on the 9th of June, 1862, on a summer's afternoon, I took the bus to Bamberg's and she was heavy laden. The way we went along Collingwood Street, that's on the road to Bladen. Hello and welcome to CHN Radio, episode 64. This is the Season Review Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Troxell. You can follow me at NRC underscore Greg and follow our Twitter account at Now, without further ado, I bring with you the best damn co-host in the land, Elijah M.F. Toonsome. What's up, guys? <laughs> What's we told up, you we'd man? be back. We'd be back. back. We we said it. Um, you can't get rid of us that easily. Um, Is it a nice warm day in Atlanta? Oh, it's it's eighty nine degrees, um, which is twenty Ooh. more than sixty nine. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, we did that. Nice. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's beautiful outside. I'm drinking a little bit of that Terrapin Hopsecutioner. Shout out to anyone who's in the southeast or the east coast, I guess, in general. Who knows about that terrapin life? Mm-hmm. And if you if you don't know about it, uh, you better get you some. That's yeah. all I got to say about that. Yeah, that's all. That's all I got to say about that. Um, <laughs> so we're gonna go. We're gonna cover a lot of topics in this one. Um, we're gonna just try to do an all in one season and review podcast. Um, just a couple things to to clean up. Um, or well, I don't know why I said clean up. A couple things to say. <laughs> is yeah. check out our website oh. at cominghomenewcastle.com. Uh, we have some interesting things that are going to be happening there. Elijah, tell us a little about it. Oh, yeah. So uh, the first things first is right now we're in award season, uh, which is the best season. Um, we've got uh, every day there will be like a new um, award being given out by our staff. Um, each writer writes a little bit about, you know, whatever the award is. So, for example, we've already done – uh, biggest disappointment just came out today. We did best player, so be sure to read them. Um, there's a lot of interesting takes on here. People are agreeing with some of our takes. I had a guy. Uh, I'm not going to give anything away, but you know, we'll talk about best and worst players. Someone, someone uh, agreed with my worst player take. Um, well, actually, Greg's worst player take. Yeah, someone agreed with Greg's worst player take. Um, so, so uh, yeah, just be on the lookout for that. Um, and additionally, <laughs> um, over the next couple of weeks, we'll be doing individual player reviews as a staff. So. Um, each player uh, will get reviewed by a member of our staff. Um, it'll be something to talk about. But if you aren't already, make an account on our site. Um, tweet at us. Comment on the articles. Let us know if we're wrong. Let us know if you agree with our stuff. Vote in our polls. Just just like, you know, we're trying to build a community here. And it doesn't work if no one else gets involved. <laughs> so. No, it just becomes like <laughs> us talking to ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so check that out. Come. Um, www.cominghomenewcastle.com um, and then feel free to interact with us there. So let's let's dive right in. Let's do a season review. So the way we're going to do this, we're going to start, we're going to go a little into the last summer, so like a year ago, some signings, and then bring you like Newcastle's season. We'll do it like a 10-game chunks and talk about that. Um, so the first thing that I wanted to bring up is our summer 
feelings. So we yeah. had we had a ton of cuts, um, not worth really going over those. Um, we just released a ton of players. Um, sold Mikel Marino, remember that? For 10 mil, uh, loaned out Jack Colback, sold Chancel and Bemba, sold Matt Sells, sold Mitro. All that happened in July. I can't, I like forgot about all that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's so it's so weird that that happened like literally less than a year ago still. And it's it's crazy because I think one of the crazy things that um that did happen I remember writing about this was we sold Marino we sold him Bemba and both of them immediately got injured. Yeah, yeah. And we're like missed like the first month of the season and um and Bemba hasn't been he hasn't like he hasn't had a bad season I don't think he's made that many appearances um. Probably similar amount of appearances as he made at Newcastle, but uh, Marino's been bossing it up uh, as of recent. He had a he had a goal against Real Madrid um, at the end of the season. Uh, so shout out to him. Um, I don't know if it's going to result in him, you know, you know, being a future member of the Spanish national team. Um, but I mean, it's good to see Newcastle players thriving. Um, and I don't really know if anyone's mad that he's gone. No, yeah, he didn't want to be here. So good riddance. Um, some of the signings, uh, I'll, I just have a list in order here. So it's Dubrovka for four mil, uh, beautiful, <laughs> and then Key for free, Kennedy on loan from Chelsea, share for three mil, amazing, um, and then Buto for nine point five mil, uh, Rondon on loan, Fernandez six mil, and then um, Yannick Torre, which He's in the youth side. That's all the signings that we had there. Um, yeah, so what do you think about the incoming signings? Obviously, we'll have a lot to say on a lot of those players. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think one thing to note is that uh, we'd only signed Dubrovka. Um, and that's who we signed the year before, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we signed a, we'd only signed Dubrovka until like Well, two years before because he was with us in the – well, he was uh, a loan signing. There was a oh, yeah. deal. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, that was like a four and a half million deal, I think. But anyway, um, it was very nerve wracking because I remember writing all these transfer rumors and Newcastle not doing anything while like every other club and their mother were signing like multiple players. Like I remember Wolves were signing players like pretty much every week. Fulham were signing players every week. All these promoted sides had signed a bunch of players, and Newcastle hadn't signed anyone. And uh, so I think I want to say. Um, Key was probably one of the first ones. They did like a slew of like either free or cheap signings, mm-hmm. um, and then Muto was kind of the the big signing of that window. But I don't know it was interesting um, for sure, and it, it was funny because the Chronicle had literally written Newcastle are not going to be waiting and like scouting any players at the World Cup, and we pretty much signed a bunch of players from the World Cup: Fabian Chair, Muto. Um, I don't think Key was in the World Cup, um, but still, it was just like. Literally the opposite of what the Chronicle said. Like, we literally scouted players to the World Cup and signed them for very low. It's, <laughs> yeah. It was dumb. And we were linked to, like, Taglificio, who was having a good World Cup as well. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that was – it kind of set the tone um, for the rest of the season as well. Uh, constant disappointment. And during that time, um, that kind of lack of ambition that everyone was talking about, we saw Mike Ashley say he was going to sell the club this season, which got people excited. And that lack of ambition also created the Magpie group. Um, which kind of set the tone for the beginning of the entire beginning of the season, which was riddled with people just being upset with our current state of the club. Yeah. So, um, that was fun. Yeah, super fun. Um, season started, so we'll, we'll go over, we'll, we'll just talk about those iconic first 10 games. 
Uh, yeah. I'll just like super interesting. <laughs> I'll, I'll read off the results here. We'll just go to ten of them. Um, so we lost two to one the Spurs, nil nil draw to Cardiff, two uh, one loss to Chelsea. Uh, we'll throw you. I'll, I'll throw the League Cup in there. So we'll do eleven games. So three uh, one loss to Forest in the League Cup, two to one loss to Man City, two to one loss to Arsenal, nil nil draw against Palace. 2-0 loss to Leicester, 3-2 loss to Man United, 1-0 loss to Brighton, and 0-0 draw to Southampton. So that is 10 league matches, a total of three points, and a League Cup exit to Championship Nottingham Forest. Elijah, take us away. <laughs> um, I just, Greg, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, how many episodes in the CHN radio were we before we won a match? Uh... I, I can actually, I can look that up and get back to you real quick. No, 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 I, no, I, I, I have it up. I'm asking Oh, you, you do? Oh, yeah. okay. I, I, I would guess by episode 15. 18 uh, episodes. Oh, 18 episodes? Yeah. Wow. CHN Radio episode 18, call Steph, Th- Steph Curry because we got three points. That <laughs> is a great title. I don't know who wrote that one, Elijah. Um, But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it was... It was a rough beginning of the season. It actually literally it was it was dumb because I remember doing these previews with you and it was like like we knew the season beginning was gonna be rough because of the first five games. But then you had like the Cardiff match where like everyone looked bad and it was just like you had just matches where Newcastle should have been taking points, um, and they just didn't. Like the Fulham match was another one. Um, and it was frustrating, uh, was a good word to start the season, which, again, drummed up the protests. At the beginning of that that whole era, we saw uh, news come out that Mike Ashley was not going to sell the club. He told the players that, and it's also when he promised them the trip to Vegas um, with the team <laughs> meeting over pizza um, yeah. at some crappy Italian restaurant. Uh, Mike Ashley, a man of class. Um, and well, didn't that Graham just... say that that's actually a class restaurant? Like, it's good? Oh, I'm sure I, it probably is, but it was just yeah. funny that he ordered. I mean, even if it's good, the fact that like it's reported that he ordered pizza is like, I mean, like that means that that yeah, implies yeah. that you made you. everyone share a meal. Like, <laughs> like it's just like, dude, come on. Um, but but yeah, I think this was this was the beginnings of the Magpie Group gaining momentum. Um, they hadn't really done anything wrong at this point, if you recall. It was just a lot of standing outside and chanting and going up to different sports direct stuff. Um, and it was just sucked. It was sucked. And the only good thing was that, like, we just found solace in the fact that Sunderland were in League One. Um, so that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of it, dude. It, that, it was that a rough was beginning. It, yeah. that sucked. Uh, yeah, it was really tough. Um, for me, the, the most iconic moment there is the, the Cardiff match, I think. It's still a match that everyone kind of talks about that we absolutely dominated. And then Kennedy had that missed penalty, that, like, at, at the last of the match and missed it <laughs> or what well, was saved but um yeah that that well, one we, was we bad it's important to note that we i'm pretty sure um and if you want to uh fact check me on this um let's see what you got i'm pretty sure did was that was that was the did the brighton match happen at that point no uh, the cardiff match was the second match of the season brighton was the ninth Okay, that's what I'm saying, like, in the first ten matches. Because yeah, the Brighton yeah. match is when Newcastle switched for the first time to the five-in-the-back formation. Oh, oh, good stat there. That's good. Yeah. 
I, I that's like just that. the title of our our podcast for that one. It's like yeah. we we uh, we uh, we switch formations. Yeah. Um, so actually, it was the match before that. Excuse me. So oh, it yeah. was Man United. Yeah, Man United was the first. Yeah, and that's back. and we got we three two. I mean, that's still a good performance. That was it's a funny, tough one. Because it's funny, yeah, because we went up two zero. Yeah, Muto. Yeah. Oh, R.I.P. Um, <laughs> yeah, when, like, and, and you kind of get an idea from these first 10, like a two to one loss to Man City, three, two loss when you're up two Oh to Man United, like you're two to one loss to Arsenal and you're like seeing these results, two to one loss to Chelsea. It's like, we're two to one loss to Spurs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, realistically um, like, we weren't we're, worried. Our podcast yeah. wasn't worried until the Cardiff match. Well, not the Cardiff match. No, no, no. Like no. probably the Brighton match. We were probably, well, we were, yeah, we were. We were worried, but at the same time, we were saying like, like these results do not indicate a team that's gone ten straight without a win to start the season. But like at the same time, I, I think I said at one point like if we get to twenty episodes or twenty five or something without a win, we're just going to cancel the podcast. Yeah, you did say that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I can't that. remember what the number was. It was like twenty or twenty five. It was twenty five, and I think we we got close, dude. Eighteen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got <laughs> close. Bad. So at the same time, you know, we were, everybody was obviously a little worried because there's it's so hard to make up ground in the Premier League. Yeah. But uh, we worked on doing that. And, and this will be the last thing I say, but just yeah. in terms of just general things to mention, at this point, within the first 10 games of the season, we had actually interviewed Warren Barton and Tony Evans. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just wild. We... Uh, we um we That's started awesome. our podcast with a lot of momentum there and yeah uh, if you haven't listened to those two interviews uh and you're bored this offseason missing us and you're uh, like a newish listener you started listening uh post Almiron or you started listening in uh late November or December like go back and give those a listen because um those one they're our first couple interviews and two uh both of them had some really good nuggets um of uh of like you know, just stories Newcastle game it's not necessarily yeah. like the season at this time but like yeah Tony talked a lot about his relationship with Rafa and his time at Liverpool um Warren Barton gave some um really good quotes I mean Warren Barton's interview created like seven articles for the Chronicle so yeah. um, it's just it's just like good good stuff to go back and listen to if you're bored and we don't it's not really specific to uh like that time period so it's like you can go back and listen whenever you want yeah definitely Good out there. All right, next 10 matches. You ready? Mm-hmm. This is where it starts to get better. Uh, 1-0 win against Watford. We did it. We uh, did it. 2-1 win against 18. Burnmouth. 2-1 win against Burnley. And then a 3-0 loss to West Ham. A 1-1 draw to Everton. 2-1 loss to Wolves. A 1-0 win to Huddersfield. 0-0 draw to Fulham. 4-0 loss to Liverpool and a 1-1 draw to Watford. So that is in that next 10 games, we had 9, 10, 13, 14, 15 points in the next mm. 10 games. Um, all right, let's talk about these. Any any match specifically like pops out to you? The first win um, would be mine. I, I guess I'll talk about that. Yeah. Actually, I, I'll talk about the, the three-game winning streak. Um, Watford, Burnmouth, and Burnley. So Watford was iconic simply just because we won. We finally did it. And this is when Kennedy was a, a like, good Kennedy. Like he was a difference maker for us. Um, this is probably Kennedy's best game of the season. Uh, 
So congrats to him on that. But uh, the goal was from Perez. And that was his first goal of the season. And um, it was his only shot on target. And he only had 29 touches that day. Hmm. Uh, 28, sorry. Um, and actually, oh, actually, so scratch the 28 touches thing. This is the one game he didn't start. Huh. He came out in the second half for this game and got the goal. And that's when we were talking about how good he would be as a super sub um, if we got somebody to replace him. Muto started over him in this one. Um, yeah, so it's just like the, that iconic win. And we immediately turned it around and had like a unreal perf- performance against Burnmouth. Um, the scoreline doesn't really dictate what happened there. Uh, because, like, I mean, it, it was dominant. And... To be like at the time, uh, Watford and Bournemouth were both in the top six, I think, at this point in the season, and we mm-hmm. just smashed them both. Rondon had his day against Bournemouth; he absolutely dominated. We had like I don't know something like double the shots on goal that we had against Bournemouth, and Rondon had two goals. Kennedy assisted in one of the goals, um, and then Rondon just took it himself on the other. So. And then the last one, I don't really remember the, the Burnley ma- match, to be honest, but I just remember just dominating Burnley most effectively. Anything else for you in, in those games that pop up? Yeah, there's a couple things. So this was the first uh, stretch of games where we got DeAndre Yedlin slander. So he had one of his best Ooh, games of the yeah. season, and he then gave up a red card um, that eventually led to Newcastle losing against Wolves. Um, and that was kind of the first time uh, people began to question DeAndre Yedlin. Um, but uh, some other things that did happen, um, like you said, the continued slander of Iose Perez, um, which was a big part of our podcast. But um, this was the first time Newcastle were linked to Miguel Admiron, and it was kind of taken seriously. So uh, we had Roberto Rojas on. Um, some might say, and by some I would say me, would say that we birthed the Roberto, Roberto Rojas uh, credibility because we were the kind of the first group to have Roberto on and have him talk about Amiron and uh, gave him a platform to speak. And then uh, he was quoted by the Chronicle from our podcast. We sent it to Lee. We sent it. We sent it to guys, and he got credibility. And you know, much thanks to us. And now he's got a job with BN Sports. So um, surprisingly, we still don't make money off of this, but Roberto does. So. We need to talk to someone about that. Um, but yeah, so this was the first time the Almeron uh, fiasco started. And like I said, uh, we're still in the midst of uh, the Magpie group. Still trying to... Uh, how do I say this? Still trying to um, like drum up interest and drum up support for kind of a second Ashley Out movement. And they hadn't done anything wrong yet, I believe. Um, but yeah, that's kind of it. I mean, we also moved to Spotify at that point. So good for us. Woo! Bodies. Um, another, yeah, I was I was going to talk about Wolves, like the just unjust finish there. And then uh, just absolutely getting just thrashed by Liverpool. That was tough. Oh, we also had uh, Don from Antarctica. I forgot about that. Yeah. That happened. From, Don from wild. Antarctica. Um, Snick Ultra coming, coming yeah. in hot from Antarctica. <laughs> Shout out to Don. Um, that was probably one of the funniest things. Was like we had him on. And we're like, so I was in Antarctica. He's just like, I'm not from Antarctica. 
<laughs> I, I'm, I kind of wish he never like broke the news and just said like, you know, it's cold out here. <laughs> trying to been trying wild, to a DC United fan who, who's who's living in Antarctica. Yeah. Um, all right. So the next ten that we have is a two-zero loss to Man United, and then there's a FA Cup, a draw to Blackburn, and then a two-one loss to Chelsea, and then a two-two draw to Blackburn in the replay, which we won on penalties. And then a 3-0 win against Cardiff. Awesome performance. A 2-0 loss to Watford in the FA Cup. And then 2-1 win against Man City, the biggest one probably. Um, 1-0 loss to Spurs. 1-1 draw to Wolves. 2-0 win to Huddersfield. 2-0 win against Burnley. 2-0 loss against West Ham. And a 3-2 win against Everton. Your thoughts on that stretch, Elijah? So, I mean, I, I think you're going to touch. I mean, you might actually touch on the thing that I really think is the most important thing of the uh, of, of of that stretch of games. So, obviously, you got the Man City win. That's huge. Uh, Newcastle obviously looking like they'll they look they don't look like a team that's going to get relegated during this stretch. Um, so, during this time, we also get um, the Almiron stuff. So, we can touch on that a little bit later. But I think most importantly. Um, and you kind of you mentioned it earlier. And I don't know if our, our listeners caught on to it, but we had the FA Cup matches, which saw the emergence of Sean Longstaff. Um, and so I think he because he played in the first, he played in both of them, and he looked good, and he scored in one. Yeah. Um, and I think that was the first time people started to see. All right, Sean Longstaff, he's a person that exists. And then shortly afterwards, due to just injury, because Shelby was in Spain and. I think Diame was injured. Um, he did make his debut against Liverpool. So this was the this was the long staff era. This stretch of matches where like he was boss in the midfield, and uh, I think that's important to recognize. Was like that this is a stretch that happened. We also had a January transfer window where we of course broke our record for Mika Amron. But let's talk about Longstaff, Greg. Oh yes, Shawnee Boy Longstaff. Um, it was it was that time for him. Uh, he. He, we, we just found, like, the Liverpool was his debut, and then we drew Watford, and then the first game of this 10-game stretch, which we'll talk about, is Manchester United. And when he started against Man United, and we lost 2 nothing, but he was our best player, um, that's, when, that's when people were like, oh, wow, maybe this is, like, a real thing. Like, he was the best player on the pitch by a mile for us. Um, then he started just his domination. Like, and, and so I mentioned... The first 10-game stretch, we had three points. The second 10-game stretch, we had 15 points. This 10-game stretch, we had 21. 21 points and 10. So you can see the improvement that's happening. Um, that's crazy. We had a 2.1 points per game streak. That's like, great. It, I think this was the – like I said, this was, the, this was when we found – we kind of knew at that point Newcastle are going to be safe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like there was we, a bit started, of technicalities, you know, getting to forty points, but whatever. But we knew Newcastle were going to be safe. <laughs> yeah, this is a little spoiler on my end when it comes out. My match of the season, I pit, I put um, our three zero win against Cardiff, like our, our best performance because we like literally. I think of best performance as like just pure domination, and that's what we had. Um, it was January nineteenth against Cardiff. We destroyed them, and it was so much fun to watch. Um, I, I, I'm pulling up who's scored right now. So players for Newcastle that got a 7.5 rating or above. 
Uh, oh, sorry. Pre-torn What's it? it? Oh, what? Preach on it. That's all I'm saying. Preach on oh, it. Oh, preach on it. Yeah. So 7.5 right or above. We had Perez who scored, Florian Lejeune, Jamal Lascelles, Isaac Hayden, and Fabian Cher who had two goals. And the crazy – there's Lascelles, Hayden, and Cher all had 8.2 or higher. Mm. Fabian Cher was a 9.08. <laughs> That's insane for um, – as far as like uh, who scored ratings go, and the lowest two numbers were still like good. The lowest two were Christian Atsu at six point eight, and then Javier Manquillo, who only played six minutes, got a six point three. So it's like everybody was a seven or above, or, or six point eight or above, which is like un- unheard of. Like that doesn't happen unless you're Man City. Uh, so that that was a cool game, and then obviously we have to talk about Everton. That game. Was amazing. Yeah, that was, was like the that was Ioz Perez like party right there. That was it. Yeah, and and that was I don't I think that was the match where you denounced that our podcast would it, no longer slander Ioz Perez, which was, it was big. It's big in CHN radio history. Um, mm-hmm. and I mean, it was it was an amazing match, and I had the pleasure of watching it with the Everton fan who was pretty much saying, "Hey." This is Everton. Like, don't be so sure about you know us re- maintaining this lead. And lo and behold, <laughs> Newcastle come back uh, and win three two. Um, that was an amazing match. I also do want to touch on because this is honestly one of the only like this is kind of the only time we can talk about it. Miguel Amiron and his 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 impact. Um, mm-hmm. We've all seen the Sky yeah. Sports stats. You have to mention that. Yeah, it, the, the Sky Sports stats about him and his uh, him creating the most chances per match uh, for the team. Um, he looks like he's uh he looks like he's uh he's ready for the uh, the Premier League. Um, there were some questions, uh, specifically, really, honestly, from pundits and then Brian Nelson, our site manager, about whether or not he was ready. And I was like, dude, I've been watching this guy for two years, and like he's he's too good for the MLS. So, like, if he's not good enough for the Premier League, I know he's going to make it in Europe somewhere, and it looks like he's going to have um, a bit of a career in Newcastle. Um, he's already kind of proven him his worth um, in the sense of he, he has completely changed the side and is a big reason, um, as Greg has pointed out multiple times on this podcast, if you haven't heard it already, as to the success of Jose Perez. There's no coincidence that Jose Perez was a guy who had, I think, maybe one goal or two goals and a couple of assists before Miguel Amaron and is now finished with an 11 goals um, at the end of the season. So maybe 12, I don't even know. Um, it, it, it's it's cool to see uh, Miguel Amaron have a, a, a good impact, and it seems like everyone in the team believes in him. Everyone wants him to succeed. And uh, you saw it in his last match. Like everyone wants him to score. He wants to score. He wants to be a huge part of uh, of of making Newcastle better. And I think that was a great signing by Rafa Benitez. Yeah, and and to jump in because um, I want you to talk about this too. So his debut, his his full starting debut with Newcastle was a two win, two zero win over Huddersfield. Yeah, um, and that was during the epic. Toon Army America meetup in Denver, Colorado. With, with Warren Barton. Warren Barton. Oh, yeah. uh, so describe that, like just being in the bar, like me, you, like ev- like a ton of people, Warren Barton and Almiron absolutely lights up. Just, actually, walk me through your internal emotions when Almiron has that breakaway. Um, well, 
Dude, I was I was honestly ready to like throw my beer in the air, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, and I'm, I'm we're, you and I are standing next to Warren during this, and I'm like, I don't care if I get Warren wet with this Guinness, like he's just gonna have to understand. And the energy, I mean, that meetup was insane. And uh, if you're American and you're listening to this podcast, which we know we have the stats, a lot of you are. Um, if you're not at the next tsunami meetup in Baltimore, by the way, like. I don't know. Just find a way to get there because it is truly an amazing experience. Um, and um, Warren has stated that he wants to come to every single one of them because it, it was so much fun and it was cool. And I mean, I, and people don't know this if unless you've listened to the pod. That was Greg and I's first time meeting each other, despite being like in the same like in the same region of the country. Um, we met each other for the first time there. I met Brian for the first time there. It was just a lot of fun, and watching that match, and it was a win, and it was fun, and um, meeting all the guys from Denver, all over the country, it's just a great experience, and honestly, I don't see why, I, I, I've already put in my head, like, I'm going to every Ten Army America meetup for, like, the next 20 years, until, like, I just can't anymore, because, like, I'm, you know, the president of the United States. Oh, Really? Yeah, well, I mean that's that's a twenty year plan, you know. We're just, we're honored. <laughs> yeah, be president. So you're speaking to a future president, Greg. Just, wow, just know that. That's pretty wild, <laughs> pretty crazy. Um, yeah, that that he absolutely he, he just kind of showed against Huddersfield, and he's done this against a few teams where he's just like so much better than the players that are there to mark him. Uh, there was a few others that a few other t- games that he's had. Like I think Lester was Lester. Lester, yeah, Lester was for one sure. Game. Was he like dominated Lester, and that's a good side. I'm, uh, it, very it, good. Was, that, was the Lester there. game the one where he went off injured? Yeah, it yeah, was because he um, pretty much should have scored three times. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's. Uh, it, I mean, what a signing! He's made an immediate impact, and you can really see what he could be. Yeah, yeah. and and the debate goes on with like what you want to see on a stat line because stats, you know, you don't play the games on paper, but at the same time that you know they're important. You're not – if Rondon was going around saying everyone says, oh, he, his hold-up play is so good but didn't score 10 goals and assist in seven, then people wouldn't want to sign him. Yeah. Um, so that that's the end goal. You want to see more there, but you know on this small sample size like how much value he brings because he really was a catalyst for a lot of our goals and – started the attacks for a lot of the goals yeah uh, he, and he's the guy that that started it all off and, and made the impact yeah and this is kind of the final thoughts of me from Almiron and it's kind of a, a, a question to you and as someone who's watched the MLS and watched Atlanta United um, and then you've been able to obviously watch Newcastle uh, what is Almiron's position is he a winger is he a number 10 I mean in my eyes it, it it's very much on the system I think when you're playing with like a system that Tata Martino was playing with, where like you're, it's not possession based. Almiron's there to spring attacks. He has pretty much freedom of movement all over the pitch. And yeah, technically he's a number ten, but in Rafa's system, he's looked really good as a winger. And so yeah. I mean, I don't know what is he like. Do you think if we go back to the four two three one, he's going to be a number ten, or is like, or is Rafa going to sign a like a traditional number ten, like a like, uh, well, to be Kai fair, so this like is, that, yeah. I think this is a little bit of a philosophical difference between mm. me and you in this formation Okay. that Rafa uses, because I don't consider that position a winger at all. I, mm. I, I can just consider it an attacking midfielder, not not a 10, 
but an attacking mid- midfielder. That's because because you have the wing back, and he do, he does get in the wing like position, but he doesn't operate as a winger. He's not You're, like swinging the, the ball in the box and doing things like from that. And so, I, I think I think in this formation, it's it it's fair to say because I do believe there it's a hybrid role because. You know, if if the wing back's not there, then your job is to operate as the winger in that situation. And yeah. if the the fullback is there, in in the winger position, then you're you're free to roam in the center as an attacking midfielder, depending on what side of the pitch you're on. So I think he, it, I think it's more of a hybrid of the two, and I think that just like shows to his strengths more because he can easily do both. Um. Does that? Am I making sense? <laughs> no, you're making perfect sense, and it, it does okay. make sense because you see how often he's inside versus Matt Ritchie being outside swinging <laughs> balls in. Almiron's yeah. more of, you know, cutting inside, trying to create chances for others, um, that kind of stuff, and it, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, you're yeah. right. I mean, I'd like to see him get a right foot. That's that's my challenge yeah. for Almiron in the offseason, <laughs> work on the right foot. Ben Simmons needs a shot. Almiron needs his right foot. Yeah, they they get those two things. They're the best players in the league. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, so let's do the next eight, the final eight matches. Um, so we had a 2-2 draw against Burnmouth, a 2-0 loss to Arsenal, 1-0 loss, loss to Crystal Palace, and then a 1-0 win to Leicester, 3-1 win to Southampton, 1-1 draw to Brighton, 3-2 loss to Liverpool, and finishing off with a 4-0 win against Fulham. That finishes our season with 11 points from 8 to close it out. And we're safe, in case you didn't know. Yeah. We are, we are safe. Uh, we're in the Premier League did. last season. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we're finished in, we finished in 13th place with 45 points. One more point than our 10th place finished last year with 44 points. Hmm. Yeah. So, thoughts on that last eight? I think the thing that would sum up the last eight is Rafa Benitez. I think there was no <laughs> focus on any match, per se, in the last eight games. I don't think anyone was going to any match really concerned about the match. I think you can look, listen to our podcast and note, and note the thing, the story that dominated the last eight games was, is Rafa Benitez staying and is he going? Or, or, or is he going? And as we're recording this podcast on a Sunday um, afternoon or evening and in England afternoon in Eastern time zone and in America, um, we still don't know. And I think that's the big takeaway from that game. I mean, I feel like no one really cared about the actual matches themselves. It was really always about what what's Rafa going to do. And yeah. consequently, what's the future of Isaac Hayden? What's the future of Matt Ritchie? What's the future of Solomon Rondon? Players, what's the future of Iose Perez? It's players who, um, you know, you don't know what their future is without Rafa Benitez. Rafa Benitez has even admitted uh, recently that I mean he'd love to keep I, uh, keep Isaac Hayden. He's admitted that he loves to, he he. It's very clear he wants to keep Solomon Rondon. So it's like the the storyline in the pat the last eight games is really more about everything off the field and nothing really on the field. Yeah, yeah, and and the the big match for me in this uh, was beating Lesser away one nothing. It was it was was it a Friday? Mm-hmm. Uh, Friday match, Friday night in the UK. For me, it was Friday afternoon. <laughs> um, and then, here. yep, yep. And then, uh, we went, that post game interview to me was like iconic because Rafa like just told it how it was. Like, 
told yeah. everybody what our budget was. Like we had a 15 mil budget. We had like, and he, he just was saying like, you know, how, how are we supposed to like, when you have Lester put three players out that are worth more than our entire squad, like you expect me to compete week after week. Like that was his like plea to the world to like, just to tell everybody like, whether, like on national television, international television, worldwide, like this is what I have to deal with. Um, so I'm going to give you an insight. It was like a perfect sell pitch. For yeah. him, <laughs> because that that's that puts a lot of weight on, and there was a lot of discussion about that. I thought that was pretty awesome that he did that. Yeah, it, and it just speaks to what I just said. It's like the fact that like that's your most important match was like a relatively boringish game. Like that's the most important match because of what happens after the game, outside of the actual run of play. And it, unlike you know the stretch before, where it's like we've got all these impressive wins and draws and pick up a ton of points, and the focus is entirely on. The emergence of Iose Perez and uh, how great Almiron is. Uh, Fabian Cher having uh, a wonderful run of form. Florian Lejeune going down injured. Like there's that that stretch before this stretch was all about the players, and then this is all about everything off the pitch. And and you just kind of proved that point. I talked about the Leicester match, which if you're looking at it scoreline, it's like this is a pretty insignificant and boring match that really has no no um, no you know outcome. No, nothing. No, it doesn't affect anything in terms of the table, but in terms of the future, Rafa Benitez, it says a lot. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was a cool end of the season, though. Cool smashing Fulham. Uh, and, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, to and, end off the season. And if you want more insight on that match, it was literally our last episode for this one. So you can go check that out. A lot of you were listening to it, so thank you for that. If you yeah, shout out to y'all. Rate us five stars. That'd be great. Of course. <laughs> that'd be wonderful. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. Uh, yeah, so that brings us here. So now now we're in this offseason, and there's a lot a lot still happening um, with the club, specifically. <laughs> Rafa, like <laughs> yeah. we just talked about. Um, so that's going to be the, the, the big factor. And we're going to keep you up to date. We're not going away. Um, and I'll get into that more at the end of the podcast. But... Before we go to a break, who is your best player of the season? Uh, no, let's start with worst player. Oh, okay, so worst player. And who's your most disappointing player this season? Yeah, and so uh, for anyone who's wondering, like I said earlier, all this is on the website, so if you want to know our disappointing players, um, you can see this. So I'll just speak for both of us. We both talked about this. Kennedy is by far the most popular uh, answer to this question, as in, you know, he was supposed to be someone who was a twenty million pound signing potentially for Newcastle, um, who was easily one of our best players um, last season that propelled us to tenth. Um, absolutely, just amazing winger played well as a left wing back. Uh, just and you think about what we're playing this season, this kind of left wing, this this wing back system. You would imagine a player like Kennedy would thrive, and instead Kennedy had probably one of the worst seasons of his career. Um, with Newcastle and just as Graham says in his his kind of write up, completely non-existent and a huge disappointment. And so Kennedy is kind of the overall, and I think most Newcastle fans will say this. But I personally was extremely disappointed with the play of of John Joe Shelby. This is a guy who um, going into this season, I mean, go, at the end of last season, fans are clamoring for him to be uh, make make the uh, the World Cup roster ahead of like Declan Rice. Um, for uh for for England and 
he's easily Newcastle's best player. It's like not even a question. Um, it's like he's going to be our most important player going forward. People are expecting him to be an England regular going into this season because of how well he played last season, um, picking balls over the top, picking balls left and right. Um, and then this season, he was just a disappointment. It started with a Tottenham match. He wasn't particularly great then. Uh, he got injured. He missed a lot of games. But then when he came back, he couldn't beat out um, you know, Key, who... Fair play to Key. He's been good for us this season, but Key was a, a midfielder that's decent and was on a relegated side in Swansea, who is not even um, who's not even going to be in the Premier League last season next season. And he couldn't beat out um, Isaac Hayden. Had a great season. Couldn't beat out a, a younger Isaac Hayden, who before this season fans really didn't rate him that well. And he couldn't beat out Mo Diame, who the club are moving on from. Um, and so it's just. For to go from best player to be to, to go to like the next season having one goal and one assist for the entire year, it's just that that's disappointing because you expect this to be Shelby's breakout season, him entering his prime, him just having season of his life, and instead we got sixteen appearances, one goal and one assist, and that's sad. Yeah. That that would be considered sad. Um, my worst player is Muto, or uh, I, I don't want to say worst, most disappointing. That's yeah, disappointing. Better, better sounding. Uh, Muto's my most disappointing. He was an expensive signing for Newcastle, and he had a lot of success at, in, the, in the Bundesliga, and then came over to the Premier League, and I thought that we were finally going to get somebody to fill that, that role that Iose Perez was trying to fill, and mm-hmm. granted... Iose did a great job of it second half of the season, but first half of the season when, you know, Kieran Clark and Fabian Cher had more goals than Perez, I was looking for, for Muto to step up. That's when we were going to have that step up happen, and it just never came. Um, he, he made 12 total appearances, five starts, and had one goal and one assist. Or, sorry, one goal, no assist. I don't know why I said one. Um and it just that's just definitely not good enough. <laughs> um, he he had a, like maybe one good game, and that was the game he scored. But we got beaten pretty badly that game, so it doesn't like uh, I don't know. It was it was pretty pretty tough. Like yeah. your expectations are so high when you sign like a good player from Bundesliga, and for him to just phase out like that. He also missed a month because of uh, the Asian Cup. Uh, he was playing for his country in, like, more than a month, actually, because they made the final. Yeah, a month and a half, really. And so it, it was just disappointing. Yeah. Um, well, and, he'll um, stay on, and maybe he's a surprise next year. I but... mean, and, and, you know, you don't want to put too much stock into this and gets Fulham, but we've mentioned it. Um, both of them looked good against Fulham. Uh, Shelby looked great. Muto looked good when he came on. So shout-out to them. Um, but before we move on to, you know, best player – I just want to read, we do have a comment on this, uh, on our end of the season, big disappointment, and someone wrote Kennedy by landslide, Baxter 12, uh, 16, 17, so shout out to you, Baxter. He said, would anyone would have, would, would anyone have had a second thought if we had spent $20 million on him last season? After the Cardiff game, his confidence and potential was all but shot. From someone who was the first name on the team sheet last season, for him to frequently not even make the bench makes me assume that his lackluster game performance is carried over into training as well. We dodged a bullet by not signing him permanently last summer. Um, shout out to Baxter. That's a great little blurb he wrote up. And I think that sums up everyone's uh, feelings on Kennedy well. Um, and it would be 
um, kind of biased to me to not even mention uh, DeAndre Yedlin as well as being another disappointing player this season. Um, our, our friend Kyle, shout out One Lost Muffin, uh, who, if you don't know who Kyle is, Kyle is One Lost Muffin, who was a frequent commentator on our podcast early on. He said Yedlin kind of fell off towards the end of the season. He's tied for seven in tackles per game with 1.9, um, and he's led... He led He's also tied for 13th in interceptions per game with only one. He's second in fouls per game, only behind Richie and ahead of Hayden. Um, he finished eighth in both clearances per game and blocks per game within the team. Um, basically, Yedlin was supposed to take a step up after having a, a good season last season and just didn't and uh, got beat out by a guy who, in the beginning of the season, people didn't even think should be on this team sheet in Minkio. Um, so um, I don't know if that says more to say if that's more about the emergence of Javi Mankia or just the disappointment of DeAndre Yedlin, but as of recent, it's easy to say DeAndre Yedlin has been a, a more disappointing player this season. Yeah. Um, and then we'll go to best player. Yeah. For me, it's Fabian Cher. Yeah. Uh, Talk about it. I, I looked up who scored as well. They have him as the highest rated. Uh, his average season performance was 7.3, which is really good. He has six man of the matches for Newcastle, um, and then a center back with four goals and an assist, and pretty much all of his goals were like unreal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like there was just, one header, I think, right, and then everything else was insane. Yeah, the against Fulham was a header, um, and then other than that, it was just pure class, beautiful, just destruction goals. I love him. He's he's a great player, like an unreal signing. Just hate him, Ben Sherfa, all day. Who yeah. You got? Um, I mean, I'm going to go with Solomon Rondon. It's it's really hard to argue against him. Cher is a, a wonderful option if you're going to go that route. Um, Rondon, like you said on the last podcast, eighteen. He's he's responsible for 18 goals of the 42. 42 percent of Newcastle's goals this season came from uh, Solomon Rondon. And, uh, and, you know, bonus points to him because he was, you know, frowned upon initially as a signing. Not really having um, great seat Premier League campaigns. I believe this was the first time in his career that he uh, got double-digit goals. Um, and we kind of, and of course, we had the exit of Mitrovic, who a lot of fans loved. Um, I wasn't, I didn't rate him too highly, but a lot of fans did. Um, so he was kind of. Uh, a lot of pressure was put on him to perform, and he did. And so, shout out to him. Uh, he, he's he's my player of the season. Love it. Love it. All right. So, we're going to go into some fun stuff now, but we're going to do that right after this break. Okay. We're getting into high school now. Oh, high yeah. High school superlative time. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Yeah. Do you? How do you want to do this? Do you want me to ask, and do you have answers, or... We'll I think we should an both answer. Let's just, okay. yeah, I mean, um, yeah, if you want to alternate asking or if you want to just ask them all, it doesn't matter to me, but I think we should both yeah. answer. All right, so we'll start with who on Newcastle United wins the award for most attractive. This is actually pretty tough um, because Newcastle have a, a, a few really attractive players and, you know, we're just guys <laughs> being bros here. Um, Fabian Chair's up there. Kennedy's up there, um, but I'm going to give it to DeAndre Yedlin because I think DeAndre Yedlin probably genuinely cares about his looks more than anyone else on this team. Like Fabian Cher is incredibly attractive um, because he and and is able to just like grow 
scruff and remain attractive and just like not cut his hair and remain attractive. Um, so by pure, just like straight up, is this guy attractive? Cher is probably the most attractive on the team, but Yedlin easily puts in the most effort. So I want to give it to him because he changes his hair at like almost every match. He dresses well. Um, that's kind of it. So I just yeah, shout I'm out to, to Dr. Yedlin. I'm going with Cher. Dude's okay. a stunner. I mean, he's a stunner. He, he's an attractive <laughs> dude. Like, yeah. there's no uh, debate in that. <laughs> All right, who's the biggest flirt? Wait, Greg, I have a question. Do they have okay. superlatives in England? Like, should we explain what superlatives are? Because I feel like that's a very American thing. I'm, I'm, I think everyone knows what a superlative is. But maybe, yeah, I'm sure they do. I mean, they have high schools. Yeah, but that's still, like, I feel like that's still a very big part of American culture. Like, I don't see a foreign film that ever mentions superlatives. I mean, I think everyone will understand, but if you want to explain it, then sure. Okay. Well, if you don't know what a superlative is, it's just, like, uh, like a, a fake award you give out to people. That's really weird. And for some <laughs> reason, we do it in America for, like, middle school and high school. So yeah. there you go. Biggest flirt um, <laughs> for me. Okay, that's that's interesting. Um, I mean, I think you probably have to go DeAndre Yedlin again for me because he's single. I think I don't know. He might be. I'm pretty sure he's single and he's attractive. And like, I just I see DeAndre Yedlin. I just think 21 year old college kid. Like I don't, I don't honestly don't even know how old he is. I just assume that he's twenty one. No, no, no! Don't tell me. I oh, wasn't okay. listening. Um, I just assumed that he's a twenty one year old college student who plays varsity soccer for whatever college he goes to, Akron, and just like flirts with girls and is like, "Oh yeah, I play soccer. I'm fast." <laughs> That's my DeAndre Yedlin impression. Right. I, I play soccer. I'm fast. My mine's Matt Ritchie. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just see Matt that like he has his hair is always like flipped up. I see him going out to the club, probably talking to a few birds, and then like they don't always work out because he has anger issues. But... <laughs> to say he just screams at him. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, can I buy you a yeah. drink? Uh, no, I'm fine. Why can't I buy you a drink? <laughs> yeah, but uh, I feel like he he's he's more the flirt and go type of player. Um, on the pitch and off. Mm. <laughs> All right, who is most likely to become a supervillain? Well, that's obvious. It's Joshua Shelby. He literally looks like Voldemort. Like you could like, argue. Well, you could say Matt Ritchie here. <laughs> yeah, you could. <laughs> it's you could absolutely, bad actually. Could I am have, going to say Matt Ritchie. <laughs> it's bad that we have multiple players that we can say are going to be supervillains. I think the three, the three potential. No, four. There's four supervillains on this. Okay. Joshua Shelby. Mm-hmm. Matthew Ritchie. Mm-hmm. Kennedy, the tattoos alone. Yeah, the tattoos are a lot. Yeah, and then the last one, and maybe the most underrated potential-wise, Real Madrid's Hasselu. I was about to say. I was thinking about. I was literally thinking. I was like, we forgot about Hasselu. Yeah. No, no, we didn't. We didn't forget about him. But he, he's, he's up there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that was good. Who's most likely to get ID'd when they were thirty? Kennedy. That dude has a baby face. <laughs> well, you said DeAndre always seems 21 to you. I mean, it's true, but 21 <laughs> is not ID'd. Like, if you look 21, like, everyone's going to be like, oh, he's 21. 
Like, Kennedy, like, there's matches where Kennedy, like, if Kennedy doesn't have facial hair, he looks 15. Mm -hmm. It's just like, you're like a 15-year-old boy who discovered how to get tattoos on the low. I I don't know how anyone doesn't pick Miguel Amaron in this. That's fair. He's got, (laughs) yeah, he's he's got a baby face. (laughs) I think it's like a runaway (laughs) vote for him. Um, And I would also add Key. Yeah, to this, Key's got a pretty—he's got a pretty young-looking <laughs> face. Yeah, uh, but Almiron, I think it's—I don't even think it's close. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Most likely to drop their phone in the toilet. Oh, Hosselu. That's just—it's yeah. <laughs> just, just like Real Madrid Hosselu is the biggest meme on this podcast, so it just has to yeah. be him. <laughs> it just—it just has to be. That's a good one. I'm gonna go with Antonio Barreca. No, oh, that's fair. Because <laughs> uh, the most th- the thing the thing that he's done the most as a Newcastle player is Instagram, where he's been at in England. Oh, good um, for him. The outside of Newcastle. <laughs> um, that's so, always good to know that so, uh, you know the guys trying to make the squad are not in Newcastle. Yeah, yeah, he's like going to London with his lady and all that other stuff, and just not playing. So I feel like he's always on his phone doing stuff and. I'm sure it's happened a few times. Speaking of guys not in the squad, uh, I just want to throw out there, and I know they're technically on loan, Akraf Lazar for most attractive and biggest flirt, because that <laughs> dude, wow. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Bereka is someone who I don't, yeah, it's, he's always on his phone, so he's just viable to drop it in the toilet at some point. Yeah. All right, who's most likely to go to Spain and steal a cap? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> Um, I mean, I don't want to be, you know what, I'm going to go with someone who, who I think sneakily has the skills to do it, but, you know, surprises you here and there with things that they do. Um, I'm going to go Fabian Cher, because Fabian Cher is one of those people who, like I said, he surprises you with the thing he, with, with some of the things he does. Like, anytime he goes forward with the ball and he, like, makes these little runs, you're like, well, you're a center back, you're not supposed to be doing that. Um, like why? Like your role is to like win, win the ball and clear the ball and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm going to go with Fabian Cher because I think it's just a skill that no one knows about that he has. Like he can just like steal cars, like hot wire him and all that kind of stuff. No one has it, and so like <laughs> eventually, like no one knows he has it. So eventually, when he does it, we're just going to be shocked that he did it. But I'm not going to be shocked because like I just know Fabian Cher is a guy who's always just plotting to shock you with whatever skills he has. This this could fall in line with the supervillain thing. It could, it could. Um, I didn't want to be boring though. I wanted to, yeah. you know, you know, walk the, walk the line, say yeah. Fabian Chair, you know. Uh, so I think I might go with, uh, and I don't. I honestly don't know why. I'm <laughs> okay, picking him, that's fair. But I'm picking Rondon. Mm. Okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> yeah, you're right. I have no idea why he would say that, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just like I can see Rondon stealing a cab in Spain. Out the boys getting drunk. Oh, of cab. I don't know. I, I don't. No explanation there. Mm. Um, the cutest couple that never was. Mm. The best midfield pairing or strike partnership that never happened. I think we're going to say the same thing. Okay. Um, Longstaff and, and and Shelby. Oh, okay. It's just like I don't know because I mean there are people who are like I don't know if Longstaff could play with John Joe. Um, John Joe doesn't really like to play. It doesn't matter. Longstaff is fine with defending. Um, and both of them, 
generate offense pretty well. Both of them like to shoot from range. I just don't know why it hadn't happened yet. Um, I mean, it's probably something particular to tactics, but like, I don't know. I just, I think like there was so long, especially when Shelby came back, I was like, I mean, like Longstaff's playing really well. Hayden's playing well. Like if there's someone who has to lose their starting spot to what I thought was going to be our best player of the season, John Joe Shelby, it has to be Hayden. Let's do Longstaff and Hay- Longstaff and uh, Shelby together in the midfield. And it just never happened. And I was just super sad about it. Yeah. Huh, this is... Alright, so I'm trying to think of a different one. I mean, I've got a runner-up if you can think of a different one. Well, I was... I'll, I, I, I'll say this. Um, no. Oh, I've got two more. Just cooking. Okay, okay, Sam. Alright, so uh, my first one is Key and Shelby. The reuniting of... Uh, mm-hmm. it, I think it, it, it might have happened in a sub for Key coming on for someone... But I don't think it happened for a full match because, like, when they were at Swansea together and Swansea was, like, a mid-table team, that was a very good midfield partnership. Probably one of the – probably, in terms of chemistry, one of the better ones in the Premier League. Um, they just killed it. And then, additionally, I'd love to see Almiron and Muto out there together. I don't know why. I just think that if if Almiron can make a guy like Isaiah Perez, who struggled uh, for the first half of the season, look good – like, I don't see why you couldn't do the same for Muto. And I think Muto um, has the potential to be a better player than Ayose Perez ever will be at Newcastle. Um, just due to just, I think he's a better finisher. Um, and I think he has a little bit more confidence when he's got that confidence going. Um, and also, obviously, does things like defend um, better than Ayose Perez. I don't know. I just think Almiron and Muto would be an interesting partnership um, in that kind of, like you say, kind of dual attacking midfielder role. Um, I'm going to say the best partnership that never was is Rondon and Hasselu on a 4-4-2. Wow. That is <laughs> – that would be I something. I just threw it out there because I literally can't think of one right now. Yeah, I mean – I, I was thinking I like – uh, I said the one everyone is thinking of, which is Longstaff and, and Shelby. Yeah, yeah. Like and everyone I also, wanted that to happen. We can add Longstaff and Cher as demons. I'm oh, in. okay. Yeah, Shaver's a good D mid. Yeah, I'm in on that. I mean, if you want, um, if if you want to be real, I mean, I don't know. And it happened. I think maybe might have happened once, but if we go, um, actually no, this one I would like to see Dummett, Share, and and Lejeune. I think it, it might have happened once. I'm not sure, but as our three center backs, it's not a pairing, but it's a center back trio. I don't know. I would like to see it. Yeah, you know why not. Um, most likely to be a manager in the future. This is actually pretty tough. Um, because, you know, it requires you to think about leadership and as well as like how, how smart the player plays. And for this, I'm going to go Fernandez. Um, I think Federico Fernandez had a good run of form in the beginning of the season when LaSalle's first went down injured, where he was like a clear leader and got the captain's arm man a couple times. Um, in terms of like dictating where everyone needs to go and all that kind of stuff, but also made some really good decisions tactically in terms of like who to pass the ball out to, um, when the when to drive back, all that kind of stuff. He looked good in his role as a center back, playing in the middle of, like a back three or whatever. Um, and so you know, I'm going to give it to Fernandez. I, th- I think that he actually would be a pretty good manager. I'm gonna go. I'm torn between two people. Hmm. Um, should I say them both or should I pick one? 
It's a podcast. Say both. Oh. I don't know why it's a podcast. Was yeah, that. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so my, my first one is Matt Ritchie. And okay. it's because, like, he gets so mad when things don't happen according to plan. And, like, he'll, like, yell at the other player, like, you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do that. So, like, he's already kind of doing it on the field. <laughs> so I Matt Ritchie's like, just I, Jose Mourinho. <laughs> I, yeah, I wonder, like, if he would have, like, he would definitely be a very energetic manager. I don't think mm. anybody would argue that. But would he be able to tone it down at all is mm. what I would, I would just wonder. Because I could see him being, like, a Jurgen Klopp energy type of manager. But... Like, I couldn't also see a manager, like, as excited as Matt Ritchie is every time something happens. Hmm. Um, That's fair. My next one is, or my last one is Paul Dummett. Hmm. I think, I I think he just looks like a manager, like a future manager. (laughs) That's fair. I mean, I'm sure without the blonde hair. hair, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, When he puts it back to his normal hair, I'm just like, I can just definitely see you, like, in that little cubicle wall interview room that they use and just like talking about like answering the same question over and over again for yeah like 15 years i feel like paul dummett's the future like brendan rogers where it's just like yeah he'll probably manage a championship or league one club and maybe he'll have a couple years in premier league but i don't know it's just he just looks like a manager like brendan rogers just looks like a manager yeah um last one most likely to leave and never come back Mm. Um, Iose Perez, he Ooh. he wouldn't shut up about it. He's just like, yeah, he just like literally would not shut up about it. Um, it, it it was really annoying. And you know what? Hey, if you want to leave and not come back, I'm fine with it. I don't care. Um, yeah, that, that's one. Uh, just because there was so much hype built around him at the end of the season that it's hard to imagine that uh that if he leaves for a La Liga team that he would actually like ever consider coming back to Newcastle unless Newcastle were, you know, a obvious champions league contender. Yeah. So this might not be fair of me because he's alone tiny, but it's Antonio Barreca. <laughs> That's fair. He was not involved in the team at all. So. Yeah. I think, uh, it's pretty safe to say he's done. So yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's good for him. He gets to go back to Monaco, so that doesn't suck. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, great great times. Um, okay, so we're going to go into – we're going to do player grades, um, and we'll explain what that means right after this. Okay, Elijah, player okay. grades, how we're going to do it. We're just going to – I'm just going to rapid fire these. Um, so I, I have our roster, our entire roster for this season up, every player that appeared in a game for Newcastle. Okay. That's very important because did Carl Darlow appear in a game? Uh-huh. Did Carl Darlow appear in a game? Uh, I don't think so because there's like guys like that I who I just so. wouldn't be able to grade. <laughs> oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I, we'll just do Premier League. How's that sound? Yeah, that that's fair. like we will Let's take do it. out like the FA Cup stuff. Yeah, don't don't, um, don't include that. Too small of a sample size. Yes. Um, okay, so let's we'll do it by position. Okay. And then let's see. Um, yeah, so just give your grade and then just like a quick little thing. Yeah, about I, I said player. I, yeah, I'll do it. 
We got it. You will? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't oh. have a choice, so. Okay. That's, yeah, that's, that's great, then. Okay, yeah. perfect. Um, all right. So, first player that I'm bringing to your lovely attention. His name, Moten Dubrovka. Yeah, um, I'm going to go A-. minus. I think Dubrovka had a good season, um, especially with the fact that, like, you're playing, um, he played a style, he played in a system that allowed for a lot of some of the better teams in the Premier League to ruthlessly attack. He saved us a lot of games. Um, but there were a couple key mistakes that Dubrovka made that led to uh, draws or losses. So that's why I'm giving him A-. minus. I would give him A-plus otherwise. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit lower, but I'm going to say B. But it's, I mean, that's really good. Like, everybody's yeah, I mean, happy to get a B. You also look at stats and stuff. I don't I do not do that. Yeah. There's probably some <laughs> uh, statistical things that make Well, I would, have, I would love to see his. So one thing that he's really good at when we loaned him in was his dis- distribution. And mm-hmm. he really struggled with that in the second half of the season. Yeah. And I think he ended. Oh, I have it up. Um, where are you, Martin? Uh, yeah, he ended up only completing 53% of his passes, which is not that good for a goalie, considering, like, you know, when you're playing out of the back, like a lot of – he's not hitting that many goal kicks that would disrupt his percentage with that. It's a lot of shorter passes that he's playing, mm-hmm. especially on a counterattack. So, I don't know. I, that's why. But it's still a good – a B is still good. Like, yeah. It, no, so, it's still good, yeah. Yeah. Um, Antonio Barreca. Uh, F. <laughs> I mean, shout out to him for breaking records in Newcastle. But I mean, uh, I mean, you, you, and fair play to Brian. I'm uh, not Brian. Fair play to Greg. Um, I don't know why I called you Brian. Fair play to Greg. Uh, Greg called this out. If you listen to his Antonio Barreca signing podcast, he said Antonio Barreca is probably gonna be a depth player for us, and he was. Um, and he sucked. So uh, good for. Well, him. yeah. And then they were saying like one of the things they liked and valued about him was his ability to cross the ball. And I was like, if you watch any of his highlights, his crossing is awful. Yeah. Like, it's r- way too high, and it's just lucky bounces coming out to the players to where he scores. Of course. Um, yeah. And uh, he played for Torino, and I've watched a few Torino matches. And he luckily had, like, one of the best strikers in the world at that time. Um, like, that season he was on Torino was, like, Andrea Bellotti's, like, scored, like, 30 goals that year or something like that. So, like, he was untouchable. But... Yeah. So you just kind of cross the ball in that direction, and the homie was going to find a way to get there. Exactly. But, yeah, um, my grade for him is DNF. <laughs> Did not finish. <laughs> <laughs> That's, good. That's uh, good. Yeah. All right, and next is DeAndre Yedlin. Ooh, this is tough because if you know me, you know I'm a, a Yedlin stan. Um if you don't know what Stan means, uh, use the internet. Um, honestly, I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say a C minus. Um, he was supposed to be really good. Um, he was a lot of people's worst player of the season. I think he had some really great moments in some matches uh, where he looked really good. But other than that, he was pretty underwhelming, and still has not improved how he defends. That it? Yeah, that's it. That's all I got for Yedlin. Okay, yeah, I, I was just I'm actually surprised. I thought I thought 
there would be well one I, th- I thought it was it would be better than that and mm-hmm. two I thought I don't know I guess I don't know what I thought I mean, uh, Rawson in America is going to be happy with my C minus. He's going to be yeah. like, "Oh yeah, finally, Elijah C." <laughs> I I gave him a C. I think it was just average for him. Um, yeah, average season. Nothing. Nothing good enough to to rise it above a C. Nothing like too detrimental. Like he didn't consistently like kill us mm-hmm. in games, but he did get benched. Um, yeah. Uh, next one is Javier Manquillo. Okay. Um, you know what? I mean, if you'd asked me about two months ago, I think I would have given him a C, just because we hadn't seen anything great from him. But I'm going to give him a, like a solid B. Uh, the past that last eight matches where he got a ton of run, um, he looked good and competent, and honestly looked like the depth signing that we thought we were getting when we signed him, like a very solid and capable backup. Um, but I don't know if you'd want him to be, you know, your first team option. So hey, shout out to you, Javi Mankio. You proved me wrong. Uh, B. All right. I'm going a C here as well. Um, I don't think he wasn't a regular member until the second half when Yedlin fell out of place. And I, I don't think there was anything on my end to think that he was like that much deserving of more than see. Uh, next one is Federico Fernandez. Okay. Um, it's just tough because he kind of fell off the pecking order. Um, mm-hmm. probably, a, I mean, if I gave him a B, I'd probably have to give Fernandez a B. Um, he had some great moments in the beginning of the season. Um, haven't seen much of him as of late, but I mean, as someone who we got for, uh, I'm pretty sure, did we get Fernandez for free or do we pay like one? Oh, we paid like a really small fee for him or we got him for uh, free. For Fernandez, yeah. we paid six mil. Oh, ooh, six mil. Mm. B minus then. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, he, like you said, he, he was a decent season uh nothing spectacular but when we needed him to step up i feel like he did i don't think there were a lot of games where i was genuinely disappointed with him maybe two or three yeah uh, i gave him a c plus like yeah pretty good yeah b minus c plus it's practically yeah. the same thing so uh paul dummett i gave all poly boy a c plus as well what mm. did you give it? i'd say b minus I'm just nicer than you, honestly, is what it is. Um, <laughs> I think the position change for Paul suited him well. If he didn't have that position change, it'd probably be lower. But the position change from him going from a left back to a center back or a left center back or whatever you want to call it uh, really suited him well. Um, he looked good. Um, it allowed him to play to his strengths in terms of defending, which is you know not relying on his physical tools but his mental tools. Um so, you know, for that, I have to commend him for that because I really think it's hard to change positions, and he did so, and he kind of did well doing that. So yeah. that's why I give him a B-. minus. Okay. And LaSalle's. This is going to be really rough. Um, I give LaSalle's a C-. minus. Okay. Um, he's another player like Shelby who, like, people were clamoring for him to be an England national last season, and he 
Like if you saw, like I think this this year you can say that there are a lot of there are players that deliver moments that you know propel you to that next level or get you you know you know there are big moments and matches that they that they have that you know allow you to either stay safe or avoid relegation or um, you know in the case of Man City or Liverpool win a match or win the league and Lascelles had a bunch of those moments last season that were like. You can point to a specific moment of like a LaSalle's goal or a LaSalle's save or a LaSalle's clearance or whatever that's like this saved us, this got us three points. This got us one point. And it was just like that was Jamal LaSalle's. He was by and far one of our best players this season. And this season we saw a Jamal LaSalle's that struggled for a good bit of the season in a new role. Um, and then has just started to look really good. So that's why I, I've, I kind of haven't rated so lowly. Okay. Yeah, and I think we're a little different on this one. Um, I gave him a B minus. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think overall, like big picture, he had a pretty good year, but he had some scary moments as well. <laughs> um, there was times where you're like, "What are you doing in defense?" Um, but those matches I saw that were like kind of that point that you were making, like the matches where he was like brutal were against like the top six sides. Like he, he's just not good enough to defend those players up up front. But I feel like when he played to down to his like level, like the mid table or just anybody, the other 14, I think he did a pretty good job. Like just good enough. I really don't think that he should be playing that middle position. I know he insists insisted on that or at least that's what was reported i'd love him to try one of the sides and i think get a lot more out of him there uh next one is florian lejeune i'll I'll give my grade go ahead uh first and so obviously he only made 12 appearances but he's a b plus for me when he was in like you you realize how much you missed him being in he's good (laughs) yeah he's good. good Um, and like, and it's not his fault, but the only reason he's not an A is because he just didn't play enough to, for me to give an A. Yeah. Um, and like, he's good. You're up. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's it. I mean, I agree with you spot on with everything you just said. Like there was there, I mean, I believe when he had, he had made his, uh, probably around his 10th or 11th appearance, chronicled ransom stat about like the amount like the the game like you know the point totals when we've played with lejeune without lejeune because lejeune fortunately for us came back in that stretch of games where newcastle well you said got 15 of 18 points or something like that um and yeah he he was just absolutely brilliant um but like you said 12 appearances is just not cutting it i mean if i'm going to dock Shelby for playing 16 games. I have to dock Lejeune for playing 12. So, like you said, that that B B minus range is 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 the similar main range for me as well. Yeah. Um. Okay. Last or no, two more defenders. I got Kieran Clark. Mm-hmm. You're you're great on him. This is tough because I mean I almost want to put it incomplete because we just didn't see him that much this season, but he did play and he scored three goals. And so it's tough. So it's nine like, appearances, three goals. It's just like, like you kind of. It's kind of similar to Lejeune, where it's like you know he played. I wouldn't even say he played well in the games he played. He played to the level that I expected him to play. So I guess for that, I want to give him like a B minus because it's like I mean I wasn't expecting Karen Clark to go out and you know bag three goals, but also I mean 
two of those were set piece goals. I'm pretty sure. I'm honestly probably all three of them were set piece goals. So it's like that's not that surprising. So I think I'd go B minus. I mean, he was he was good. He was fine when he was available, but like he was injured so often that like if we sold him in July, I wouldn't even you know I wouldn't even be like oh man I miss Karen Clark. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I gotta agree. Like I, I was going to say a B just same thing. Like, you know, anytime you have a defender scoring a goal in every three matches, that's insane. And I know like there's just not enough of a sample size, but like, you got to just give them props for doing that. Yeah. You have to, it's tough. Yeah. (laughs) And the last one, which I have a feeling we know what the grades are going to be on this one, maybe in share. I mean, last defender. It's A plus. <laughs> by and large, yeah. by and large, our best defender this season, arguably one of our best offensive players this season. Uh, Fabian Cher, uh just honestly looked like a, a top six defender in the Premier League as a whole. And I'm not just talking center backs. I'm talking you include Trin Alexander Arnold in that. You include uh, like uh, you know Virgil Van Dijk. You include Laporte. I mean, he just was one solid defensively. And two, just honestly, when Newcastle needed him most, he would help generate offense. And so I, I have to give him an A plus. Yeah, um, I can't argue. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Don't. So Newcastle had sixteen Man of the Match awards given out this season, mm-hmm. and Cher won six of them. <laughs> Sheesh. So, so <laughs> just to give you an idea, like, yeah, that's in- insane. Um, yeah, A plus, easy. All right, so let's go to the midfield. Uh, we'll start with Jacob Murphy. <laughs> He's not on the team. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He's made. He made uh, six appearances. I guess. I mean, so. Um, and then eventually was loaned to West Brom, right? And he hasn't done particularly well at West Brom I mean I'm I have to give him like a D or an F like you know for a guy who I want to say he was a nine million pound signing he was another person who we kind of thought was going to be you know the future of Newcastle and to be fair I think a lot of fans have given him the benefit of the doubt like we understand he's young um we understand that you know it's not realistic to expect him to start every match but even then you know I think for me you have to be also be able to make a lot of appearances at the championship level and below if you're going to be, you know, kind of a, a development-type player for Newcastle. You need to be able to make, you know, starting consistently at that championship level and below. And he just wasn't for West Brom. If you look at his numbers, he, he didn't make that many appearances, especially as the season wore on and games became more important for West Brom. So for that, I have to give him a D or an F. Yeah, I'm giving him a D. It was just not good. He had one good game for us, and that's why it's not an F. Yeah. Um, next one is Christian Atsu. I mean, I have to give him a B minus, uh, just because. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like he he didn't he he's he's a textbook definition of taking advantage of your opportunities because he didn't get a lot of opportunities in the beginning of the season um, to to play meaningful minutes. Like he may have had. A fair bit of appearances, but, you know, he's playing for 10, 15 minutes at the end of a match in a game that's pretty much decided. But, you know, the most recent run of matches where he's able to start or able to get significant playing time as a sub for Miguel Amiron, he has looked good. He has looked dangerous. And like Greg has said, 
it's insane how many non-goals he's scored in terms of like he's hit the crossbar, he's hit the post so many times. You have to you have to think that next season he's going to have a pretty good season. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm a I'm a fan of Christian Atu. Um, I, I'm giving him a C. I think it was just an average year for him. Mm-hmm. If he puts in thirty percent of the chances that he had, he would have had ten goals this year. So, um, in the limited amount of time that he he played, so I just think I think there's still something there. He's he's twenty seven. Yeah. So as far as growth, I don't know how much more is left. Maybe maybe a little bit, but I, I hope I hope he like gets to branch out a little bit and puts some more in the back of the net. Um, Cause I, I feel like he deserved, he deserved way more than one goal. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I mean, I, I, and you kind of talk about Iose being an impact sub realistically, Christian Atu has the potential to be like Newcastle's impact sub going forward. I think if Iose is here next year, he's probably starting majority of the matches, but yeah. I think Christian Atu, I think he's got to step up, him or Muto, as to be like, all right, hey, we need someone to create some sort of offense off the bench. And Christian Atu or or Muto, um, ha- they have to be those guys uh, in order yeah. to do that. All righty. Kennedy. I gave Kennedy a D plus. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's nothing to say about Kennedy. He was terrible. Um, yeah, he had, one man in the match. <laughs> he had one man in the match. Uh, he had one game. Well, it was our first win against Watford that he just turned up for. Um, yeah. And that that was it. <laughs> After that, he had one goal, one assist this season. Yeah, it's just bad. You're in agreement yeah. there? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's good riddance. That's what, I mean, yeah. I don't even want to say anything else. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Next one, Mo Diame. Um, Modiyama is an interesting one because I, if you listen to this podcast the whole year or even the second half of the season, you know I'm not a huge fan of Modiyama. I'm going to give him a probably like a C minus D plus kind of range. I mean, yeah, I'm, I think I'm giving him a C minus too. Yeah, it's just you know, like I get that his his brand, I guess if you want to call it, has become the physical presence in Newcastle's midfield, but I mean. He gives the ball away far too easily. He's not really good at, you know, like I said, retaining possession. I just, I don't know really what he offers to the squad that, you know, when he's not there, I'm missing. Um, and the physicality is, is I guess, what you could argue is that, you know, his, like, you know, without Modiyama, we're not as physical of a team, but we don't need to be a physical team. Um, we're capable of winning with a normal midfield of, like, Isaac Hayden and Sean Longstaff or Isaac Hayden and, uh, and Key or Shelby. Like, Diame is just not someone who was needed this year, and he didn't really impress me enough uh, to warrant anything above a D-. minus. Yeah. Um, I, I just think, yeah, his passing is the biggest thing for me to, to like, let, not let him be a, a C mm-hmm. is just like, he can't pass the ball. <laughs> so just, I just like, it's I somewhat can't important give you a C. Yeah. Ugh, killing me. Um, okay. Next one. Key Sung Young. Yeah. Um, Key is, it, he's an interesting one. He's one of those guys where you, you, I mean, I almost forgot he was on the team. Uh, just you know, during that Hayden Longstaff run, uh, I think I'd probably give him probably a C plus, um, a little bit better than average season. 
I think that he stepped up in moments when we needed him. He had a couple of good outings, but nothing to say he deserves to be in the first team every week or he deserves to to be man of the match or deserves, you know, just, just you know, above average, I would say. Yeah. Um, hmm. I'm going to give him a C. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. I, I, I ain't mad at you. I mean, like I said, he's not, nothing stood out about him. Yeah. Which, you know, hey, for Which someone who got on a free, a that's yeah. what, almost 30 or 30? I mean, hey, I'm not mad at that. Whatever. Yeah, he's 30. Yeah, <laughs> who cares? He's a depth yeah. signing and he was called on. He did what he did his job when he was called on to do it. So, whatever. Yeah. Miguel Almiral. This is tough because, you know, like you said, the impact in terms of goals and assists wasn't there. But the impact when you're watching Newcastle play, which, you know, Sunderland fans tried to slander us for Miguel's lack of numbers, but it's obvious they weren't watching the matches. And obviously I'm biased. I don't want to appear too biased. So I'm going to say B+. Plus. Um, you know, you would like to see him notch in a goal or assist. Um, with, on the, the side of assist, it was just like there were times where um, Perez or Rondon or Richie or whoever was there just didn't finish the chance. Um, but there were some times where Miguel didn't finish um, the chances he had, and he could have had a couple goals this season, and he just didn't. Um, so I'm going to give him a B plus for that. Uh, there's also some stuff that I'd like for him to work on um, in terms of you know just how he plays the match. I think he kind of overworks himself at times. Um, and of course, like I've mentioned multiple times, he needs a right foot. He's so he's so reliant on his left foot, and it's a sweet left foot, and it bags a ton of goals. But you know, you're at the highest level of competition in the world right now, um, it, within the Premier League. So um, you you got to have a right foot of some sort um, when you're playing the Prem. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say B plus as well. Um, more on the stat sheet would have gotten him into the A's, mm-hmm. but B plus is so good. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's still um, very good, yeah. Yeah. John Joe. John Joe, I mean, I mean, he's my most disappointing player of the season, so he has to have an F. <laughs> uh, I'm giving him a definite D+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, just not enough there. The injury, you can't blame him for, but then when he was healthy, he didn't play. Exactly. Still for a while, so that's concerning. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, yeah oh, you're right. Here's a big one. Mm-hmm. Sean Longstaff. I mean, given the role that he had to play and the the timing of everything, and just um, his age, um, his experience, A plus. Like, I, I'm, I, hey, I'm sticking by that. You're telling me that this guy last year uh, probably assumed he was going out on loan to another championship or League One club, like. It's it's it he is and spoiler he's my most improved player of the season. Like it's just it's hard to just deny. Like you have to take everything into consideration. And you have to understand that Sean Longstaff is a guy who I don't think anyone in his family was expecting him to play first team football this season, and he did, and he did it well, and he did it well enough to the fact where people were genuinely concerned about the future of Newcastle. Like, for this season, when he went down with injury, people were like, oh, I mean, Longstaff's gone. I don't know how the midfield's looking when he went down. So, uh, I have to give him an A+. I just have to. That's pretty awesome. I'm not doing that. Okay. But I am very happy about his performance. I'm giving him a B plus. Same same reason why I haven't given him an A. He he had eight appearances, and that's just 
I just on my grade scale, it's just not enough to get an A. He had a goal, the big one. Um, polluted eighty percent of his passes. I, I'm just so happy that he is panning out. Hope he's having a speedy recovery currently. Um, but a great season for him. Next is the ever controversial Iose Perez. This is tough. Um, you know, he had such a great second half of the season. Um, and, like an A plus 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 second half. And but he had a D plus 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 first <laughs> half of the season. And if you average those out, it comes to a B plus. Um, he just you know you want to see cons- consistency is the biggest word surrounding Iose Perez. And if you're a player. Like in any sport, consistency is the one word you don't want to have associated with you, um, unless it's like, oh, Dirk Nowitzki is a very consistent player. When people are saying consistency and it's like negative, that's just the last thing you want to hear. Um, and for Isaac Price, it's the same thing. You want to see him put together a season where he looks as good as he did in the second half of the season, um, the whole season. And he would easily be one of the best players in the Premier League if he did that. If he just had yeah. one season where he had, you know, what eight, eight or something, eight or nine goals in the second half of the season, um, he's you're looking at a guy who's going to be joint, you know, he's who's going to be getting you know up for the golden boot or up for like most assists in the season. So it's just disappointing, and that's why I give him a B plus. Um, such a great second half. Obviously, one of the most important players in Newcastle, but you have to do it the whole season. You have to, and that's why he's a B plus. Yeah, I'm giving him a B plus as well. And exactly the same reasons that you gave. So I, I thought that we would be in the controversial stance here, but we're really just right in line. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, Matt Ritchie. I mean, I'm going to go A minus. I'm not a huge Matt Matt Ritchie guy because I do think that I I love his work rate, but I do think that like in terms of accuracy with the crosses he plays and how he played with Miguel Amarone earlier on and and their relationship really frustrated me. But I'm going to have to say he's A minus. I mean, you're asking a guy who was a right winger to move to left wing back, and for him to you know be competent, not only competent, but actually honestly be one of the better fullbacks in that mid table, lower table um, threshold of fullbacks. I have to give it to him. I'm not his biggest fan, but I, I'm going to give him A minus. Hey man, I'm right with you. I'm, I'm an A minus. So let's let's. Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, the last midfielder on on this list. And an A for me. Isaac Hayden. Yeah. Um, I, I'd say A, A plus. I mean, this is a guy who who deserves that, that type of that type of grade. You're talking about a guy who should have been sold, um, but couldn't be sold because of the incompetence of of Lee Charlie and Mike Ashley and be able to find a, a replacement. Um, this is a guy who did not ask to be here, um, and still, uh, when his name was called upon, gave it his all, excelled, and I, I do want to bring this up because he was it, so good. He he was very good, and you know, it would be easy if you looked at his first appearance this season to say <laughs> F player because he had a truly awful first outing, um, but he cleaned it up, and he had some of the best performances we've seen from a Newcastle midfielder um, in a while. So, hey, fair play to him. A. Yeah. A for sure. Uh, okay, so let's go to some forwards. Uh, first one I want to bring up, Yoshinori Muto. Yeah, I mean, you know, I just wanted to see more of him, and we just didn't. And so I think for that, 
have to give him a C minus. I think that in matches he appeared in, and granted, um, and like we've said multiple times in this podcast, he didn't really have the opportunity to really shine except for a couple starts. Um, it just wasn't great. And then he had, I mean, I think he had maybe two or three starts. And I know at least one of them was that really awful match that Newcastle as a whole had, I think, against Cardiff, um, where no one looked good. And then, he, of course, he had a couple, he had the Man United start where he scored a goal within like the first few minutes um, and played well throughout. You know, for a 12 million pound signing and just, you know, someone who we expect to contribute immediately to the team, um, you know, you have to you have to be doing a little bit better. Uh, and to be fair, he was going up against literally uh, Rafa's like most favorite prodigal son, Ayose Perez, who he's in love with and would not start anyone else over. Um, so that didn't work in Muto's favor. But overall, I, I have to say he's a C minus. Or, or see that kind of range just because, you know, we just didn't see um, enough from a guy who's worth, you know, almost as much, uh, worth almost as much as John Joe Shelby. I gave Muto an F+. Plus. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I thought it was abysmal season. That's why he was my most disappointing player. Yeah, it's true. Like, um, it's abysmal for him. Like, you're just, there's so much expectations when you're signed for, that amount and being successful in Bundesliga and you just come over and just crap the bed. You're right. He he had that one goal and I can't think of anything else that he's done. So and, and, and it's sad because the only other thing you can think of that he's done was he looks good against Fulham, which you should. Worst defense in the league. Like if you don't yeah. look good against Fulham, you shouldn't be in the Premier League. Like if we threw Jacob Murphy out there, like he'd look good against Fulham. Yeah. <laughs> um also getting an F plus on the field, but an A plus in my heart. Real Madrid's hustling. Hey, I you know what? I don't agree with this. Okay. Because Which one the F plus or the A plus? The, the F plus <laughs> because I Hostel still had more goals than Muto. He had two. He had one more. Yeah, that's still more. So Completed for that, I give him a D plus. Less of his passes. D plus. I mean, Hostel's in a difficult situation. Wait, one goal gives takes him from an F plus to a D plus. Yes. Whoa! Yeah, I mean, wow. <laughs> I I I don't know. I I, I do feel for Hostel because uh, he's in a he's, he was in a position where like it was obvious Muto is gone. It's it's similar to Muto where it's like it's obvious that uh, Rondon. Sorry, I said Muto. It's obvious that Rondon is like the clear starter in terms of that target forward work rate kind of guy, and it's like you're going you're only going to get so many appearances. Um, but you know, even when he made appearances, it wasn't great. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And speak of the devil, mm-hmm. our last player to review, Solomon Rondon. A+. plus. I mean, if you're not giving him A+, plus for the season, you're probably Mike Ashley and you don't plan on re-signing him. <laughs> <laughs> what if I gave him an A? Oh, okay. Why would you give him an A instead of an A+. Plus? If, if he was going to get an A+, plus as a striker, he needs 15 goals. That's fair. But I, I counter that with the fact that he had seven assists, which is something you don't you don't see strikers getting. Yeah, you know, like I'm, he almost I'm, had a double. I'm double. with it. I mean, an A is like. I mean, A's well, great. <laughs> it's yeah, <so> good. It's <laughs> good. I um, can't emphasize enough how good an A is. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and okay, so we're. I've we're, given three A's. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know how many. Rondon, Cher, and uh, Hayden. Yeah, that's my A's. Oh wait, I'll give an A minus to Matt Ritchie. Yeah, um, but yeah, so that was our grades. 
and this is kind of kind of closing things down a little bit and moving towards the end of this review um, and looking forward to next season. Greg, I do have a question for you. Um, I want you to give me one dream signing for Newcastle. You know, no, no money's not an issue. Say we got bought by you know Dubai or the UAE, and money's not an issue. Um, and you have to also consider this is Newcastle. You have to consider the state of the club. Like Ronaldo's not going to come to Newcastle because Newcastle's not a Champions League contending club. So you got to consider that as well. Um, and then give me one dream signing and one realistic signing for Newcastle. Um, and realistic, I'm going to say under 35 million pounds. Okay, I'm going to give you two dream signings. Okay, give me two. Go ahead. One is Hakim Zayech. Okay. From Ajax. Of course. He had like 24 goals yeah. this season. As a winger. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and actually, it's funny, one of my first articles I've ever written for CHN was Newcastle needs to go all in on a number 10. Yeah. And I listed number 10s that I would like them to target, and he was like the second or third one on my list. And Chadley was on that list too, which is a player yeah, Newcastle could have gotten. And Yeah, didn't. we could have gotten him. But uh, <laughs> it's safe to say, like, I've always been a Chadley fan, but Hakeem mm-hmm. Zayech, I'm not sure what the correct is, but we all know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, he's definitely, uh, the potential is just unreal. He's gotten so good now. Um I, I don't know what they have in the water in in Amsterdam, but it's working. Uh, so yeah, him, and then uh, I would also add striker Andrea Pilati. Okay, that's good. The um, biggest what... mouth I've ever seen on a human being. But <laughs> he de- can definitely score a lot of goals. Yeah, and like insane goals too. Like I've never seen somebody like attempt more bicycle kicks in my life. And he scores on half of them. Mm. It's just insane. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's my two dream realistic signings. I if you want a moment to look at unrealistic signings, I can give you mine. Like if you want okay. a moment, yeah, to to think about your realistic signing, I can give you my yeah. unrealistics and realistic. Okay. Yeah. Is that okay with you? That is okay. All right, so unrealistic, Benjamin Vard. I mean, uh-huh. this is a guy who, one, can play center back. I mean, recently... Wait, uh, wait. Are you saying this is unrealistic? This is this is unrealistic, Benjamin Pavard. Interesting. Well, I mean, he's going to Bayern, so, like, we can't sign him. <laughs> oh, we could. Oh, we, I guess, but the, degrees, the deal's already been in place. But uh, he he's a right back, obviously killed it for France, had that insane goal... <laughs> And it's like, I, and like, you can ask Greg, you can listen to this podcast, you can ask anyone who knows me. I love DeAndre Yedlin. And I think that he is, like, he was probably my first favorite player in soccer ever. It was DeAndre Yedlin. But if we get Pavard to play right back for Newcastle United, I'm sorry. Like, it, it, I just have to say yes to that. Um, so that's my unrealistic signing. Another one would be Kai Havertz. I'm a big Bundesliga guy, so I, I'm going to I'm gonna go Bundesliga nine times out of ten. You're looking at a guy who could play alongside Miguel Amaro in that five-in-the-back system and just kind of have free reign to do whatever they want as a number 10 or a wing or whatever you want. To, that's a guy who you want doing that. He just creates a lot of chances for a team, Leverkusen, who really aren't a great team um, if you look at them on paper. 
but they have they they've exceeded expectations for the past couple of seasons and that's the kind of stuff you like to see and both of these guys are young uh Pavard is 23 Havertz is 20 maybe um maybe 21 um but realistically um here's a guy that you know Greg might be familiar with but it's another MLS guy who um doesn't have the same numbers of Almiron but I think could have the potential to be better um than Almiron even um if given the right, the you know, given the right tools around him and the right manager, I'm going to go Diego Rossi, who is the um, who is winger and striker for LAFC, who is one of the best teams, one of the better teams, and one of the inter- more entertaining teams to watch in the MLS. Um, he's a guy who's Uruguayan who is due for an Uruguayan national team cap in the future. Uh, highly regarded player. Um, 21 years of age, so it kind of meets the age requirement, and is a player coming from the MLS, so you don't know, if, you're, you're not expecting him to cost a, a buttload of money, as, you know, you know maybe a Ruben Loftus-Cheek, or um, you know, a Trent Alexander-Arnold, or Ryan Sessegnon would, who are players who have a similar type of potential um, in terms of, like, you know, could be good Premier League players, but right now are decent, um, and I don't know, I just, something about Diego Rossi just sees like, okay, hey, this guy could actually be pretty decent, and it'd be kind of insane if Newcastle went after him, but it'd also be realistic in some so, in some sort of way. So, yeah, Uruguayan forward slash winger, that, that's who I got for a realistic signing that i you know like to see. I'm going to go with Maximilian Philippe okay. from Dortmund. I like that. As realistic. Okay. <laughs> um, he's like a second striker. Like, he would be a replacement for Perez. Mm-hmm. I think that's um, where we both kind of went, where it's like, yeah. you kind of assume in this scenario that Iosu Perez is gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I would have loved to get Sebastian Haller mm-hmm. in January, but he all he's done since then is score goals, and now I'm pretty sure there's no way we're going to be able to afford him. Yeah, Taglaficio was just a guy I was so mad Newcastle oh, yeah. didn't get, because <laughs> you're talking about 8 million pounds you could have had literally probably one of the best left backs in in Europe at the moment in terms of just form it's it's just come on guys come on 8 million pounds i i get he's he was 26 at the time but 8 million pounds is not a lot of money in in today's market yeah but yeah um all right well there is so just to go over like the season ending like stats for Newcastle um as far as the players with the best who scored ratings, I'll name um, the top five. Okay. So starting from five to one, it's Matt Ritchie, Isaac Hayden, Rondon, Clark, and Cher. And that, does, that is does Clark even Clark. count? <laughs> <laughs> he he has the second highest rating, but obviously there's a uh, you know appearances. Okay, can you, if, uh, in lieu of that, can you give us like you know the next best? Yeah, so if if you remove Clark, then it is Perez. Okay, that makes sense. Um, okay, and then for assists, any guess who led the league in assists or led on uh, Newcastle in assists? Um, I'm going to go either Matt Ritchie or Solomon Rondon. You just named the first two. Okay, and Matt Ritchie lead, led the team with eight, which is why I gave him an A minus. Uh, Rondon was seven. Then below that is Isaac Hayden with four. A lot of people don't realize that. Yeah, uh, actually. Then, even more surprising, Javier Manquillo with three. Hmm. 
and then Perez with two. Hmm. And then Aerial Duels won. Do you have any idea who led the team in Aerial Duels on average? Per match? Um, On average per match, I'm going to go Lejeune. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> it is Rondon. Oh. 4.6 per match. 4 point, That's a him. lot. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, he won a lot. He's a big boy. say <laughs> that's like that. wow. Okay. Even crazier, and this this kind of is a testament to one goal every three matches. But second was Aaron Clark, huh. three point nine. Interesting. Um, boy is hops. <laughs> then underneath Clark and Rondon is Lascelles, Cher, and Hasselu. Of course, Hasselu is making it out. Hasselu two point seven per match. Uh, appearances. Who leads a team in appearances? Oh, that's actually kind of tough. Appeared in every match, Premier League match only. Every single match. Yeah. Is it Matt? Is it Matt Ritchie? It is not, but he was second. Yeah, yeah thirty-five. I, I was like, cause I feel like I'm uh, sorry, thirty-six. Oh, two. That's tough. Because it that that is actually really. It, who is it? No, it's very it's very obvious. You're just not thinking about it. Is it Iose Perez? No. He was third. So I'm getting literally everyone but number one. Yeah. Because my, my gut is, because it can't be, oh, it's Dubrovka. Yeah. <laughs> I told you, it's very obvious. Yeah. It's not. I, I was thinking, I was like, it can't be, it. I'm, I'm like going through our backline, I was like, wait, it's obviously Dubrovka. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I was Dubrovka. literally talking about how, like, like before, I was like, we can't include, like, guys like Carl Darlow and Freddie Woodman who could, who, like, barely made appearances and, like, yeah, so obviously <laughs> Darlow. Yeah. So Dubrovka and then Richie, Perez, Lascelles, and Rondon are the appearances leader for card, yellow card accumulation and red card. Um, I'll start from fifth to first. Okay. Um, this is yellows. Fifth with four cards, mm-hmm. and this is four yellows, no reds. Jamal Lascelles. Okay. In third, or I mean in fourth place with also four cards, but we have three yellows and a red. Isaac Hayden. Hmm. That's interesting. Third, third place with seven total cards, six yellows and one red. DeAndre Yedlin. Hmm. And second. With Cher. nine cards. Who is it? Cher. Nope. Richie. Yes. I, I knew <laughs> nine one of yellows. them was, was up there. And you said the name already. First place with 12 cards, all yellows. Cher. Hmm. Um, and then goals. The last stat. Um, in fifth in goals is Matt Richie with two. Fourth is Kieran Clark with three. Third is Fabian Cher with four, and then second is Salomon Rondon with 11, and then first is Iosi Perez with 12. That is your Newcastle United pretty much, yeah, full season review right there. That's insane. I think we covered a lot. <laughs> um, so thanks for sticking around. Um, let's talk about just quickly like the rest of this offseason. Um, yeah. So what – we're going to do – we're still holding to the promise, so we're going to send out a Google Sheets probably, if not this coming week, like this weekend or next, early next week. Just asking for your guys' feedback. Please fill it out. It will be anonymous. You just fill out your answers, and it will just give us feedback on, like, what y'all are looking for in this podcast, what guests you want to bring on. Um, we'll get that started up for you. And as far as, like, a, a recording schedule, we're going to kind of have – it's going to be, like – 
emergency podcasts only for a little bit until the team starts reporting back. Um, so like when we hear news on Rafa, you'll get a podcast. When we sign somebody, when somebody leaves, we'll, we'll, we'll do podcasts based on that. Yeah. Um, so just follow us, follow all three of our, our full four of our Twitter accounts for me, Elijah, CHN radio and coming home and UFC mm-hmm. follow all four of those. We'll definitely update you on all of that. Um, Elijah, do you have any any last words? Yeah, and I think uh, we've kind of alluded to this in previous episodes, and Greg and I kind of talked about it. If someone wants to come on the podcast and do an interview, we might release something like something like that. Um, you know, just in the middle of yeah. the summer, just to keep you guys entertained. Um, we previously discussed reaching out to people like Chi on Aurora. I don't know how to say her last name. Um, and some, there's some other people we have in mind that you know now that the season's over, uh, they could possibly. Um, go on the podcast um, and you know have a, have a you know just you know good little interview kind of stuff like that. But I mean, honestly, thank you guys for all your support. Um, it's been a fun season. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think you guys understand how much of a joy it is for Greg and I to just sit down here behind the mic and just talk about Newcastle for you guys. Um, and it's just been a lot of fun, and it's cool to see that people actually care about what we listen to. Oh, sorry, they care about what we're saying. Uh, obviously, not what we listen to. Um, it's cool to see that, and cool to see that like there's guys like Don and guys like Trevor and guys like Kyle and guys like uh, I'm, there's tons of you guys um, that like you know consistently and like Ross and America, Matt. Like shout out to you guys um, that consistently come and give us feedback and and let us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. So. Um, Thank you guys for all your support. We love you guys. Um, I'm excited for season two, dude, uh, where yeah. Newcastle is going to win the Champions League. So um, it should be it's a lot of fun. Be, it's going to be great. Um, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure this season, everybody. Stay tuned. Please interact with us. We'll be we'll be on Twitter pretty much every day. Yeah. So you can, you can holler at us there. And I'll be in Atlanta, Atlanta United fans who are listening to this, because I know there's yeah. a couple of you. I'll be here going to yeah. matches. Ping, so ping if, us. If you're in Atlanta, if you're in Vegas, let us know. We'll definitely have a beer with you of course um and then hopefully the next podcast we do is a celebration podcast of rafa signing a 100 year deal with fingers crossed <laughs> all right well that concludes episode 64 of season one of chn radio yeah i'm your host greg troxel that is the best damn co-host in the land elijah newsome this is Blade and Races and Away the Lads. We flew past Arnsville Factory and up to the job in a deal. Just coming due to the railway bridge, the bus will flow off there. The lasses lost the crinolines and the bales that hide their faces. I got two black eyes and a broken nose and gathered the blade and razors.
went to paradise, there was Bonnie Gamby Goon. There was four and twenty on the bus, man, who had danced and sung. They called on me to sing a song, and I sang a party thing. And I danced a jig and swung me twig the day I went to bleeding. The blade and tune, the bellman he was calling there, they called him Jackie Broom. I saw him talking to some chips, and then he was persuading the Gamsey Jordy Ridley showing the mechanics how it bleeding. Johnny had a white hat on, they yelled, we stole the cuddy. There were spice dolls and monkey shows and they had wife selling ciders. And the chef of a happening room, they were choosing normal ads for riders. Oh, no. 